Galatians chapter 6. We're going to pick it up at verse 11 and read through the end of the chapter. Lord willing, this is uh, the second to the last of our series of messages on the book of Galatians. For those of you visiting, uh, we're probably at sermon 25, 30, somewhere in that ballpark from Galatians. And now we're coming to, to the wrap-up of that with uh, those two messages remaining. Paul writes, starting in verse 11, through the inspiration of the Spirit, God's breathed out word to us. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. As far as the reading of God's Word, I invite you to keep it open as we make our way through these verses this morning. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we ask that the Word as read may touch our hearts so as to understand it as explained by Pastor Bob. We pray this in your name. Amen. And amen. So as we look at verses uh, 11 through 15... Uh, particularly this morning, the question comes, what, what are the main points Paul is looking at? What, what, how, how would you take this passage and, and, as it were, outline it? Well, there are a number of possibilities. Okay? The, the process of outlining a text is, is not always... Uh, cut and dried because there are different points of emphasis that one might, might want to stress. But it would seem that one very simple, easy division of this passage is to divide it along these lines. Paul's physical identity, because there are a number of things in this passage that deals with our physical body. So Paul's physical identity. But then Paul, as it were, shifts gears here as well to not only stress the physical identity that he has, but his spiritual identity as well. And so those will be our two main points this morning, beginning with Paul's physical identity and then secondly, Paul's spiritual identity. And we're immediately brought into the 
to the physical aspect of it with, with Paul's opening statement in verse 11. See, look at the large letters with which I am writing. Now there are some scholars who believe the, the phrase large letters refers to the volume of the book. In other words, he wrote to them six chapters. Uh, it, it's in a sense a rather long epistle considering uh, the other letters and epistles that we have in the New Testament. Uh, the chapters themselves are rather long and there are six of them. Some are saying, oh, Paul just means this is a long letter and you ought to pay attention to the fact I had to write so much to you. But that actually misses what is really going on in the text because Paul is not referencing the entirety of the letter. He would not have used the plural. He would have said then, see the large letter I have written to you. But he uses the term letters, and the Greek word that is actually used here means the individual letters that are used to form words. Paul is talking about the physical size of the letters that he is making. That he's not following as he writes the normal course, the normal size of the letters. But he is writing with large letters. And, and he's calling our attention to that. He's saying, see this. Now, obviously, they could have just looked at the letter and gone, hmm, Paul's writing kind of big, large letters here. I wonder why Paul's doing that. But Paul calls attention to it. He wants them to see the size of the letters. The Spirit wants you and I to see that when Paul wrote the book of Galatians, whether he, he, he dictated part of it and this section is the part that Paul personally is putting his hand to, that would be up for debate. But he's calling attention particularly to this section with the large letters, the size of his handwriting. He wants us to see that physical thing that is going on even as he wanted the Galatians to see it. Now the question arises, why is Paul writing with large letters? What is going on that, that this is happening? Well, it could be through some bodily ailment. We know, for example, when we read 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, that Paul had some sort of thorn in the flesh. He never tells us exactly what it is. He doesn't say it's this. He just says, I have a thorn in the flesh. He prayed for its removal three times. The Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. So there was obviously something with Paul's body that was causing him to respond in a way that one would respond to a thorn in the flesh, a constant irritant. Something that causes pain or something that causes great difficulty. Sometimes, if you think about the illustration of the thorn in the flesh, sometimes you can live with it and it doesn't bother you until you do certain activities. And then all of a sudden you, 
your finger brushes up against it or that, that pad of your finger r runs over something and then it's like, oh, yes, that's right, I got that thorn in the flesh. So it could be that, that there were times when, when this thorn that Paul is dealing with what was not completely bothersome, it wasn't always there, but sometimes it would raise its head and it would cause him some sort of an affliction. Perhaps the thorn raises when Paul puts pen in hand to write. And now because there is some sort of physical ailment that Paul has with his hands, the act of writing becomes excruciatingly painful. And he can't form the small little letters that are, are, are sometimes needed and necessary. But now he has to write with large letters. All he can do is make sweeping motions. And he can't fine-tune his fingers any longer because that thorn, that problem, that ailment bothers his hands and he has difficulty with them. Some say perhaps it was an eyesight, a visual problem, so that he could not see the smallness with which normally would write. He has to write with large letters in order to be able to see that which he is writing and make sure he is forming the words, the letters correctly so that the people of Galatia, of those churches, might know for sure what he is writing. See with what large letters I write. There is another problem, possibility, not necessarily focusing on the thorn in the flesh, although the two might be related, and that's the multiple persecutions Paul has had to deal with. Keep your finger here at Galatians chapter 6 and find 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Go down to verse 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24. Paul, as a reminder, is the author here. He's the one speaking through the Holy Spirit. 5, 2 Corinthians 11. I'm not sure. I think I said 5. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 24. Now listen to this list. Five times. I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. That's 196 lashes he has received. Three times he has been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. Frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Galatians chapter 6, see with what large letters I write. Is this the result of the multitude of persecutions that Paul has already experienced by the time he writes the book of Galatians? They have taken their toll. 
the movement of his hands, the movement of his arms, the movement of his back, the movement of his muscles. The 196 lashes have taken their toll. The three times beaten with iron rods have taken their toll. And his body is just racked with pain. So to be able to take up a writing instrument and to be able to write the fine letters that are needed and necessary in the normal course of writing a letter, he simply cannot do any longer. See with what large letters I write. Now we may look at that and say, what's that got to do with the passage? Well, I think as we make our way down through, it might be plain to us as to why Paul is calling attention to it. So let's move on to the second point under this physical, and that's not about the large letters. Now if you look at the text, all of a sudden the word circumcision starts creeping up once again. That physical act whereby circumcision was done. You find it in verses 12 and 13. And what Paul is saying is the fact that those who are his opponents, these false teachers that, that we've been talking about who are going through the churches of Galatia, laying the requirement of circumcision upon the people in the churches in order that they might be true Christians. Paul is saying these opponents, this whole thing of circumcision is just an outward physical display. That's all this is. It's not about obedience to the law. These false teachers are not there to insist upon hearts that are compliant to the law of God, as you read of Christ's teaching in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. These teachers are only after the outward display, and when it all comes down to it, it's only about the outward display of circumcision. This is, this is what they're, they're teaching, this is what they're going after, they're, they're not about Christ's teaching, about looking at a woman lustfully or calling your brother a fool or having anger in your heart as murder. No, no, they're not interested in that. What they're interested in is this one thing, this one outward act, circumcision. Look at, listen to 12 and 13 again. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Ah, so here's where it comes down to it, Paul says. The whole reason for this insistence that these false teachers have had that you be circumcised is not to call attention to the fact that you're Christian and not Jews. Because by identifying yourself with the Jews, you'll escape persecution. See with what large letters I have to write. See what I have dealt with for Christ. 
These false teachers simply want you to succumb to the law of Moses and to circumcision so that what? They will not be persecuted. This is a means for them to escape the lashes. Remember the 196 lashes? Who administrated them? The Romans? The Gentiles? No, the Jews. You go back through the book of Acts. Our Thursday morning Bible study. We've, we've just gone through this section. So for them this is, this is mere repetition. But in that first missionary journey. When Paul goes to these churches that he is addressing here in Galatia. Chapter 13, verse 45. Chapter 13, verse 50. Chapter 14, verse 5. Chapter 14, verse 19. Paul faces persecution. From who? The Jews. In fact, the persecution got so intense upon one occasion that in Lystra, the Jews haul him out of the city and stone him. They take rocks and hurl them at Paul. Can you imagine the physical toll, the physical damage that does upon a person's body? And they left him for dead. They thought they had killed him. That's the kind of persecution the Jews of this area, Galatia, were putting the Christians under. And so you think when Paul moves on, these Jews said, well, Paul's gone, now we'll not bother with the Christians. No, it continues. The false teachers come in and they go, man, you know, all you people in these churches, you're all facing persecution. What's the main reason you're being persecuted? Oh, it's the Jews. Why are the Jews upset? Well, the Jews are upset in the synagogue and in the city. They're upset because we no longer get circumcised. Well, that's an easy solution. Get circumcised, then you won't be persecuted. And besides, if we're the ones, false teachers now, who are advocating that these Christians get persecuted, we'll be out of the crosshairs of the Jews. In fact, they'll think we have done something wonderful. You see those false teachers, see what they're doing? Good thing. They're, they're bringing people back to the law of Moses. After all, it's only through obedience to that law, you know, that we'll be saved. Enough of that nonsense of justification by faith. See the large letters I have to write with? Because I'm not looking to escape the persecution that comes from the cross of Christ. The false teachers are. Yes. They just want to boast in the flesh. They just want to boast about the fact, you see, okay, it is by our obedience to the law of Moses that we are saved and not by justification by faith in Christ alone. We could look at uh, another aspect of this when you come down to verse uh, 15, excuse me, verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 
it's as if Paul is, is saying, you know, guys, you're there in Galatia teaching the people in the churches to avoid persecution. I'm not sure what else I can say to convince you of the fact that circumcision is not needed or necessary other than let me show you my back. Let me show you my back. I bear the marks of Jesus. Don't tell people to flee and escape from the persecution by submitting themselves to circumcision. Then they'll be acceptable to the Jews. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. That is the physical part. But Paul wants to lead us somewhere else here as well, and that's to his spiritual identity. See, this, this whole thing about circumcision is about an outward physical identity, isn't it? Jews of today still brag about that, right? We're the seed of Abraham. Why? Because we bear in our body the identifying mark, a physical mark on the outside. When we read the scriptures, we read that, that it's not the circumcision of the skin, of the outside. It's the circumcision of the heart. It's the spiritual. And that's where Paul now brings us in this text. He's, he's weighing it and he's saying, look, this whole thing, I, I could continue to con counter their argument about the necessity of circumcision and I could continue to, to, to build upon the argument with my own flesh. But instead I want to turn the attention to the spiritual. So look with me at verse 15 first. I know it's out of order but I, I want to cover 15 before we go back to 14. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As Paul thinks about his spiritual identity, <laughs> circumcision counts for nothing. His old identity as a Jew counts for nothing. His old identity as the Pharisee of Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin counts as nothing. His old identity as the persecutor of the church counts for nothing. Those weren't credits somehow built up in the account of Paul. That which is something, that which counts, that which is vital, that which is important. See that word? For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. Nothing counts but the fact that I am a new creation. That's what counts. The old, the flesh, the depraved condition, the, the person who is the object of God's wrath, the unsaved, the old, the old man of flesh, the old man of circumcision, the old man of works. That old man counts for nothing. That which is important is the new creation. 
And, and, and by that, Paul means a new creation, not a physical recreation. Go with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Say, why, why, does, why does Paul need to emphasize the fact that it's not, when, when the, what he's talking about in the fact of the new creation is not that we have some sort of bodily makeover. And then we go to the spa and get a makeover at the spa so our body is different. And you say, why, why does he need to emphasize that? Because it was a concept so foreign to the Jewish mind. It's a concept so foreign to the Gentile mind. It's a concept foreign to the human mind. Listen to this conversation, John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, new creation, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See the question? How can I physically, outwardly, be made different? How can that happen? How can I be physically born again? How can I come into this world without big ears? How can I come into this world again without a big nose? How, how can I come into this world again in a new way? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. See, this new creation that Paul is speaking of here in Galatians 6 is not a physical recreation. It's not a physical makeover. It is a spiritual recreation. We are born again. We become a new creature in Christ. How? By being justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. In that means we become a new creation. Am I going to look any, is my nose going to be any different after I'm born again? Probably not. My ears? No. Size of my head? No. Size of my hands? No. My height? No. Do I suddenly when I'm born again, hey, now I get to be six foot six. I got the possibility of actually playing basketball sometime in my life. No. My physical body changes not. But I'm a new creation. Spiritually remade. Into the image, not of Adam, but into the image of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He's talking about fellow Christians. No one do we regard according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. 
we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, here's the phrase again, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are new creatures in Christ. We're a new creation. We have a new image. Christ's stamp, Christ's image, is now the image that we have. And Paul says that has nothing to do with whether or not you get circumcised, whether or not you don't get circumcised. This isn't about some sort of physical exterior bragging right. It isn't about whether you wear a suit and tie to church or not. It isn't about whether or not you live in a nice home or not. This isn't about the exterior. This is about the heart. And Paul says, I am a new creature. From what we know of the Apostle Paul, from what the, the text of Scripture revealed to us, the Apostle Paul was probably a very short, ugly man who couldn't talk very well. But I'm a new creature in Christ. Anyone who is in Christ is this new creation. Born of the Spirit. Born again. That the Spirit has recreated our entire spiritual image. To be like Christ. Amazing change. What a glorious transformation. And because you and I, along with the Apostle Paul, have that new image, there is no more condemnation. Because God always sees you and I in the image of Christ. There is no more wrath. Because God sees us in the image of Christ. There is no more punishment of hell. For God sees us in the image of Christ. There is only the glorious hope of God's continuing perfecting work in our hearts and in our lives. There is only the glorious assurance that someday we shall be like Christ. There is only the glorious promise that we shall live eternally without sin forever. And how does that happen? I will boast 
only of the cross of Christ. I'm not going to boast of some little piece of skin cut off one of my appendages. I will boast only in the cross of Christ. Because it is only in the cross of Christ that this glorious transformation is made possible. It is only because of Christ's work upon that cross. It is only because of his perfect sacrifice. It is only because of that atonement. Only, only, only because of the cross am I a new creature in Christ. Only because of Christ suffering and dying on that cross for your sin are you a new creature in Christ. Verse 14, Galatians chapter 6. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To boast. In the cross of Christ. Paul is saying that his identity is not in his circumcision. His identity is not in his Jewishness. His identity is not in the law of Moses. His identity is in Christ. And he is willing to be identified with Christ. That's who he wants to be known as being, as belonging to. I belong to Christ. I don't want to belong to Moses. I don't want to belong to the law. I don't want to belong to the circumcision. I don't want to belong to the works. I want to belong to Christ. And the only thing that I am going to boast about, the only thing that I will speak of is not that which I have, not which that, that which I am, not that which I was, but that which Christ has done for me. I will boast of Christ and only of the cross. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, told them that that the cross is, is a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. But Paul doesn't care. He's going to preach Christ. He's going to preach the cross. Why? Because only there do we truly see grace. One writer put it this way, the true wonder of God's love shown on the cross can only be understood in the light of my own unworthiness. Let me read that again. The true wonder of God's love shown on the cross can only be understood in light of my unworthiness. That's why the boasting, the boasting is only of the cross of Christ. The boasting is not, hey, I went on four missionary journeys, converted lots of people. 
The boasting is not in that which I have done, not that which I have accomplished, not that which I bear on my back. The boasting, Paul says, that I do is only of the cross. That I come to understand my desperate condition is relieved only by grace alone. And that there is the folly of all human attempts to save ourselves. And that I have to look only to the cross. It's not, I'll do better tomorrow. No, I won't. I won't do better tomorrow. You won't do better tomorrow. Tomorrow we will sin just as much as we sinned yesterday. We will sin and we will go on sinning. My hope is not that I'm going to become better at this. My hope is only in the cross. But you see, it is in that cross then that we find the power, the strength to overcome our flesh. The strength to overcome sin is not found in our feeble efforts. It is in the cross, in that suffering and death of Christ. There, the world, the flesh is crucified to me. There, I am crucified to the world. And the flesh shall no longer have dominion over me. So who will deliver me from this great dilemma of the flesh and the spirit? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ. So of what am I going to boast? Of what shall you boast? Circumcision? Paul's saying to the really? That's going to be your boast before the Lord of heaven and earth? Hey, look, God, I got circumcised. Aren't I worthy to enter into your heaven now? Aren't I worthy to enter into glory? Look, I got, I got this identifying mark on my body. Standing and representing all our trophies, all our efforts. All that we as man seek to do to try to gain our own salvation. Really? You're going to stand before Almighty God with that? No, Paul says, I will boast. But I will boast not of myself, not of that which I have accomplished, not that which I have done. But I will boast only in the cross of Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Beautiful, glorious reminder of the power of the cross. Not only in the life of Paul, but in our lives too. Thank you. Thank you that in Christ you have made us new creations that boast not of what we've done, but who hold high the cross of Christ. And it's in his name we pray and God's people say, Amen.